Welcome to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. I'm Jeff Sharon, and this is our first episode of what we are calling our summer sessions here on the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Eric's not with me here right now, but uh, you'll hear him soon enough. So uh, here's our story. Like we've said in some previous episodes, you know, we're in the summertime now, and uh, it's, you know, kind of a downtime for, of course, obviously for college sports. Although, you know, as I'm recording this, we're still, we're now less than three months away from, uh, or rather less than two months away from college football season starting up. But before we start our preseason shows, uh, where we preview, where we preview the uh, fall sports, we wanted to take a little trip sort of in the Wayback Machine and talk to some friends of ours uh, involved in, you've been involved in UCF since we were students and even before then. And, um, and you know, we've had the good fortune, Eric and I, you know, since we came to UCF, I came to UCF in the fall of 2001 as a freshman, of uh, being around some really remarkable people in the UCF family and seeing some really remarkable moments as the school really in the last 17 years has grown up quite a bit. And you've seen that too. So um, what we want to do is spend a few shows here uh, this summer uh, reconnecting with some old friends and uh, doing some extended interviews with them. And uh, I think some of them you'll find really, uh, really interesting, really enlightening. Um, and I'm sure they'll bring back some uh, good memories too. So uh, without further ado, we're going to get started with our first one here in just a moment. But I just wanted to remind you to make sure you tune in or log on rather <laughs> to uh, blackandgoldbanneret.com for all of our latest content, including this podcast. Uh, you can look us up on Facebook as well. Just search for Black and Gold Banneret. Give us a like on there. We're trying to hit 100 likes. And once we do that, then things will, I think, will start snowballing there for us. Um, in addition, you can follow us on Twitter at UCF underscore Banneret. You can follow me at Jeff underscore Sharon and follow Eric at Eric Lopez Elo. Uh, you can also make sure you subscribe to this podcast if you don't already on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and tune in. Don't forget to tell your friends and leave us a rating, too. That really helps us out uh, in terms of getting you know your fellow UCF fans and friends to uh, discover us organically on iTunes, especially. So, so uh, let's dive in with our first summer session, and it is our former UCF women's soccer head coach, Amanda Cromwell. Uh, Amanda um, is now the head coach at uh, UCLA. She's been there ever since she left UCF follow the, following the 2013 season. She was a coach. She was the head coach at UCF for 14 years, from 1999 to 2013. So speaking of seeing UCF really grow up, Amanda really did. You know, back when it was, uh, back when the soccer complex that we know of now was basically just a lighted field next to a wooded area back there in the athletic complex, uh, or what became the athletic complex, she came over to UCF with uh, a lot of legitimacy because uh, she was uh, she was a member of the U.S. women's soccer team. Uh, she played her college soccer uh, at Virginia from '88 to '92, um, and captained their team uh, that team, the Cavaliers, to the Final Four in 1991. Uh, she was on the U.S. women's national soccer team from 1991 to 1998. So she was there with the team in 96 when they won the um, gold in Atlanta and the Olympics. Uh, And she participated in the 1995 FIFA uh, Women's World Cup as well. She had an extended professional career uh, playing with a number of different teams in uh, 
uh, women's professional leagues, including the San Jose Cyber Rays and the Orlando Lions of 1997, for those of you who may remember that, and the Tampa Bay Extreme. She was perhaps best known for playing with the Washington Freedom and the Atlanta uh, Beat. Uh, and uh, she came to UCF after two years coaching um, at uh, University of Maryland, Baltimore County, UMBC, uh, 96-97. She joined UCF in 99, uh, and her resume at UCF was uh, um, really, she helped, she's helped UCF soccer, women's soccer in particular really grow up from uh, a team with, that she took over in 1999 in the Atlantic Sun. They made the NCAA tournament 11 times. Uh, she won uh, the conference championship uh, four times in the A-Sun uh, and then another four times uh, at UCF. Uh, and it really culminated in an Elite Eight uh, tournament run for UCF in 2011 um, that we talk about with Amanda quite a bit that um, you know really did put UCF women's soccer on the map, a truly magical season. Um, she won more than 200 and more, she won more than 200 games at UCF as the head uh, women's soccer coach. And from there, um, you know, after, you know, doing all that she did at, you know, UCF and building that program, she then got the call from UCLA, uh, and made the trip all the way out West in 2013. And in her first season, just eight months after she was named head coach, uh, Amanda Cromwell took the UCLA Bruins to the national championship, 22-1-3 record. They were unbeaten in their last 21 games and gave up just one goal in the entire NCAA tournament. In fact, they gave up just eight goals all season. That's a credit to Amanda and also Alini Reyes, who uh, played for Amanda at UCF and was her volunteer goalkeeper coach. Um, you know, Alini was on that uh, 2011 Elite Eight team and helped UCLA uh, in terms of its first-year coaching staff, go all the way to the national uh, championship. She was Soccer America's Coach of the Year. And, of course, she's still at UCLA, although she still maintains uh, a number of ties to the Central Florida area. She's got her camp coming up that she's going to be talking about uh, here in this interview uh, in just a moment. So let's get right down to it. Without any further ado, here is our interview with former UCF women's soccer head coach and current head coach of UCLA women's soccer, Amanda Cromwell. And joining us now is the head coach of the UCLA Bruins women's soccer team. She's got a national championship ring to her uh, on, uh, on her fingers. She's got uh, an Olympic gold medal. She is one of the foundational blocks of the sport of women's soccer in this country. And we know her, of course, as a former head coach at UCF for quite some time. Amanda Cromwell joining us here on the Black and Gold Banneret podcast on our first summer session. Coach Cromwell, congratulations, I think. <laughs> well, thank you. I, uh, I don't think I've ever been called a, a, did you call me a building block or a foundation block? I'm not sure, but that, I, I take that as a compliment. <laughs> yeah, I'll, 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 we'll, we'll go with foundational building block. How about that? But, it sounds like uh, something from the John Wooden Pyramid of Success, so I'll take it. Exactly, which I got that book over on my night table over there, too. I was reading, I, I was reading up, actually, on it the other day. So how's life out in California? What's it like out in Los Angeles? I love it out here. Um, I'm, I'm having a great time. I can ride my bike to the beach, and uh, I, I really enjoy being at UCLA. The camaraderie um, amongst the, all the sports teams is really, really cool. Um, 
you know, there's a high expectation out here and everyone um, really supports each other well and, um, you know, the athletes and the coaches alike. So it's a, it's a fun place to be. Aside from the fact that it's UCLA, it's Pac-12, it's, you know, and the resources that come with it. I mean, UCLA is one of the largest public schools in the country. UCF is one of the largest public schools in the country. Um, what for you has been the biggest difference going out to California and being a part of the UCLA program? Well, I think like right off the bat, um, you know, UCF was as a young school uh, comparatively. Um, so just the, the history of UCLA and its athletics program kind of really blew me away. And I hadn't really spent that much time on campus before I got here. I, we had we had played UCLA when I was at UCF, and had been around, you know, obviously the fields and the athletic facilities. But just being on campus, um, you know, the history of that, the the whole or of, you know, John Wooden, uh, um, just the history of success, but not only the coaches, the incredible coaches that have come before me, but also the world-renowned athletes. Um, you know, you can you know look at track and field, uh, Jackie Robinson, um, you know, Jackie Joyner-Kersey, Flojo, uh, all the basketball great athletes, uh, women's soccer, it's just, it's pretty impressive. And I think that you know, that kind of history, it's really hard to find at any any school in the country. And yet, uh, Coach, you still kind of, I feel like Florida is still a home to you because I know you come uh, every summer and you're going to come back here. You've got a camp coming up. I do. I, you know, Florida, uh, UCF was great to me. I was there for 14 years for a reason. Uh, we were very successful. But the way that school grew, uh, it was almost like being in three or four different jobs being in the same location, how the campus changed, the conferences changed. I had different ADs when we were there, when I was there. Um, so I saw a lot of change in those 14 years, and it uh, became um, one of the one of the you know best schools for soccer, at least on my side of things. I think for a women's soccer athlete to attend, with all the you know, the great facilities, everything that was growing. Um, and I, you know, I, I love to get back to that community. I have a lot of friends there. A lot of my alums that I'm close to are there. You know, I come back for weddings. I come back to visit their kids they're having now. Um, I'm actually get, Courtney Whitten's getting married the weekend after my camp, which my camp is July 9th through the 12th um, up in Claremont. We, we hosted at the National Training Center. It's a great facility. We stay at the hotel. Uh, everything's really easy and walkable. And then and I'll be hanging around in town to go to Courtney Whitten's uh, wedding. Okay, That's congratulations good- to Courtney. Yeah, I didn't even know that yeah. was happening. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. yeah. So, so we've got uh, – so let's go back in time a little bit. And, you know, this is – when we signed on, you know, it's been, it's been a rough couple of weeks for the U- USA soccer family with um, the loss of Tony DeChico, who passed away uh, a few weeks back at the age of 68. Can you reflect back for us on your time with Team USA and with Tony as the head coach there? You were, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, you were on Team USA's roster from 94 to 99, which was right in the thick of the, of the, the buildup to that, that moment with, at, the, at the World Cup. And you, were, and you were also on the Olympic team in 96, if I'm not mistaken. Is that correct? Yeah, my first camp actually with the team was in 1990. So I was oh, wow. actually... My, my started making rosters. My very first trip, I think, was in 91 um, to Bulgaria. Um, I was on the qualifying roster for the 91 World Cup uh, that we went to Haiti. So um, don't steal those years from me. I'm very proud of those early years. 
uh, you know, the 90, the early 90s on that team, uh, definitely a lot of growth. And that's when Anson Dorrance was the coach. Um, Tony t- took over in 94, uh, right before the 95 World Cup, which uh, was on that team, and the 96 Olympics. Um, that's, I was actually an alternate. At the time, there's only 16 on the roster for the Olympics, and I was one of four alternates after tearing my ACL, ACL and getting back in three months. So I, uh, you know, I did a miraculous uh, rehab and recovery to get back to even uh, make that roster. And, uh, yeah, all that was incredible. Um, I fell short of making the 99 team, um, so I'm not officially a 99er, but I, I feel like I am because that's, that's the group I played with all those years. And um, Tony was a big part of, uh, obviously, the success of that team. And um, he was a big part of my um transformation into a coach i never really knew uh that i wanted to coach for for a career and um i you know i think i had such a good time um on the national team um i had great coaches in college with lauren greg and and on the national team with with anson and tony and they were just such good role models and mentors that when i landed at you know i had a short gig at university of maryland baltimore county uh, before UCF, but that's that was just kind of a stopgap, um, and I didn't really plan on coaching my career at that point. And um, when I landed at UCF, it was just kind of I was in the right place at the right time. We had we had been down in Florida for our residency, our training camp, and um, you know I didn't make the 99 roster. So that really I I landed at UCF because I didn't make the 99 roster, which is I guess kind of ironic. Wow. That's unbelievable. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's amazing. Kind of how things kind of turn out in a lot of ways you didn't really think about the coaching until really in UCF was that the point when you went to UCF was that the point where you're like you know I'm just going to go for this coaching career when, when did you start kind of thinking and I would assume that Tony you, you took some of his coaching style and some of his philosophies probably influenced you oh yeah I mean Tony if, probably the biggest influence in my life and my coaching um career um and I did, I was, you know, I didn't make the roster for that summer, and I was, I was still in Orlando, and I think uh, Karen Richter left for Auburn, I think that, that May, and I was hired. I was hired when everyone was out of school, and uh, I didn't even know the team. I didn't meet the team until preseason in August. Uh, it's kind of a crazy whirlwind of, you know, I was, I was away. I went to a bunch of the World Cup games. I was at the Rose Bowl, running around the field, celebrating, you know, that, that World Cup victory, even though I didn't play. I was still, you know, I felt like a part of that. That program and um, you know Tony always welcomed welcomed his uh, former players with welcome, uh, open arms and um, you know he he was a coach who kind of taught me how to value every single one of his players and um, he gave us all um, some great gifts along the way and that was one of them that he um, just was very open and honest and loving to his players and he wasn't afraid to be loving to his players and and let them. Let them fail, let them succeed, let them, let them figure things out. Things out. Um, um, I think the, the big thing was, um, you know, it's just every player has to fill a role. Everyone can't be the superstar. Everyone can't be the starter. And uh, I think Tony really embraced uh, as a coach how to, how to give everyone credibility, how to give everyone value. When I, I, I'm also interested in, I, you know, I, I feel bad that all the, that all the time we've known you, we, that we've never actually asked you this. How much of an influence was Michelle Akers in your decision to come to UCF in 1999? 
Um, well, that's, that's the time I was I was living with Michelle Akers, and because I wasn't I wasn't in the full time training camp at that time, so I kind of was in and out of the training camp. As uh, I think at the time they called us floaters, or I don't know what the term was, but I wasn't on like a full time contract. I, you know, Michelle was the reason I came down to Florida in the first place. So because I was coaching at UMBC, and she was uh, she basically said, "Come down and give this one more shot for the '99 World Cup," and. So that's why I quit my job at UMBC, loaded up my my Jetta and my dog and, and a spoon and a fork and a couple bags and um, drove down to Florida without any job, without any any um, really hope yet of uh, getting into camps. At that point, I wasn't in, in, um, in one of the camps that was going on. So I really had to work myself into some training camps and, you know, Tony, Tony gave me some opportunities, but... I knew it was, it was uh, a long shot, but I wasn't afraid to do it. And in the end, I think having someone like Michelle kind of speak vision into your life and give you the encouragement to go chase a dream. And even if falling short um, wasn't necessarily a bad thing, because then I was I was in Florida, I was in Orlando, and um, then that's really where I, I fell into the coaching job and my coaching career at UCF. What made you decide to take the UCF job when you took it? Because, you know, you at the time you're wondering, you know, you, you said yourself, you weren't really thinking about going into coaching. So what kind of attracted you to go to about the UCF job? To be quite honest, I didn't know at the time. I was I was really, you know, when you when you finished a national team career or any kind of career where it, it you're identified by what you do a little bit and being on the national team, I was on the team for seven, eight years. And, and that was became part of who I was. And, and so you go through a bit of a mourning process, as any athlete, I think, does when they retire or move on from a team or even a coaching job. Um, and I didn't know I wanted to do it for sure, but I was intrigued by it. And um, I, knew, I knew UCF had a ton of potential. Obviously, I knew Michelle played there. And it was a, back in the day, UCF was one of the um, marquee names and. and in college soccer you know, with Michelle and Amy Allman and, um, you know, a bunch of the players before, um, you know, really had gave UCF notoriety and put UCF soccer on the map. And I knew it could get back to that, um, that kind of prominence. And with the location, um, obviously a great campus. I, I just knew there was a ton of potential there. And you turned it into 11 trips to the NCAA and, and it's amazing when I look back at your coaching record here in Orlando, starting in 1999, back when the program was in the Atlantic Sun Conference and the and the what is now the UCF Soccer Complex was basically a lighted field with some aluminum bleachers around it. Yeah. Was here here's here's a here were your standings there starting in your first year. First, second, first, first, second, second, first, second, first, third, first, first, fourth, third. And then you finished with six consecutive NCAA bursts where you got to at least the second round, including an Elite Eight. Out of all of those moments, hmm. which one was your favorite? Well, I got I to gotta talk about the weekend that we – is one of the best weekends in probably uh, college soccer for a mid-major, um, for any team really, the, considering we beat Florida, our in-state uh, in rival, someone we had to match up with time and time again in the postseason and then the next matches against unc uh you know perennial champions uh you know one of my former coaches 
and we beat them uh, in PKs to go to the Elite Eight. And I, I still remember vid- vividly Eleni Hayes making that uh, save on the six kick uh, when it's sudden death PKs and saving it. And um, just it's giving me chills right now. I mean, it was it was one of those moments that you um, you know you hold on to for a lifetime because. The, what that meant for the program was huge. And I know because I was at Florida and all the alums we had in the stands, um, running out to the field and got in, getting to celebrate that moment with us, uh, the dog pile was incredible. The Just the whole feeling of, wow, this, you know, this program, um, you know, we can, we can do things. We can, uh, I firmly believed we could win a national championship. And I think, you know, we, we had, a, uh, you know, not our best showing against Wake Forest and that, Elite Eight game, but you know, I thought we had the talent to make a run for it, and we, you know, we I think we showed that in the the weekend we beat Florida and UNC. You talked about was it, it extra you, oh, oh, special? Sorry, Go ahead. Well, well, I mean, I mean, I know. Remember, was it extra special too because of the Gainesville area, which a lot of years you got sent there, and and a lot of times you know that was kind of a roadblock. Uh, did that make it even extra sweeter that you kind of overcame that and get to the Sweet Sixteen and to get to the Elite Eight? Uh, before a fall into Wake Forest, but you and then you beat obviously the most one of the big power programs in in, in women's soccer in North Carolina. Yeah, I mean that was I was so sick of losing in the second round. Um, it was like, oh, like wh- when are we going to get over this hump? And it was funny. I had a conversation with Jill Ellis when she was at UCLA, and she had the with the conversation about these humps. Like she she was having a hard time. Uh, getting over the final four hump of actually winning an actual national championship. And I was like, I'd rather try to get over that final four hump than the second round hump. I was like, you know, that sounds like a good place to be in the final four. And we had a good laugh about it, but um, you know, it's, it's one of those things as a program, it did, it meant a lot. And uh, and I know being in, in Florida and doing it there. And um, we, you know, I think we just, we, as a program, um, you know, showed the country who we were. All right, let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Hello, Night Nation. I'm Andrew Fegley. And I'm Trey Strelko. Um, uh, um, where are we? This isn't our usual spot. It looks like we've landed in the Black and Gold Banneret podcast. Oh, yeah. I've, I've heard of those guys. You know, Nightline has UCF sports covered. Week in and week out, we bring you interviews with newsmakers and in-depth analysis of UCF sports. Subscribe to our weekly podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to subscribe to Nightline on YouTube, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter at UCF underscore Nightline. Trace, can we go back to the 1148 studios now and start working on our next all-new Nightline? How do we get out of here? Go Knights! Charge on. Now back to you guys in the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. And welcome back to our Black and Gold Banneret Summer Sessions. Let's return to our conversation with Amanda Cromwell. So in 2013... You move on from UCF to UCLA, and I remember how you know sad we all were to see you go, but we were like, you know something, I mean, Amanda really deserves this, and boy, it's going to be fun to see what she does in UCLA. And lo and behold, you guys win the national championship in your first year in 2013. Way to set the bar for yourself there, Coach. Um, <laughs> I mean, the, defeating Florida State as you did in overtime, 1-0, the thrilling fashion that you did it. Did, did, I, I can't, I, I try to think about it, you know, like, oh my gosh, that's, that, that's Amanda Cromwell and holy God, they just won the national championship. 
did it move as fast for you that year as it did for us watching you? <laughs> yeah, I think it did. Like it was a whirlwind. Um, you know, I I got out here. Um, you know, I, was, I think I was hired in April, but I didn't really get out here until May. Um, it's it's tough moving cross country. Holy cow! Yeah. Um, and I was trying to recruit at the same time, and you know, we were we were a little behind in the recruiting cycle for that year because of of how late I was hired, and we had a lot of work to do on that front. Um, you know, so again, when we're you know, luckily, luckily UCLA is a quarter system, so the players were still around. So at least I got to meet them. Um, different than my UCF experience when I was hired, but uh, it just we took off uh, running when I you know that that August. I remember one of the turning points for us is we had a uh, road trip. We went to Notre Dame's tournament and then Duke's tournament, and um, we really kind of we we won three three out of four of those games. We lost to UNC. And we played really, really poorly against UNC. And I, you know, I told the girls, I was like, well, you know, if this is something. I, and and I didn't know really what we had until that weekend. I could see, I see, I could see moments of brilliance, but I could also see there was a little mentality issues, and um, they had this this fear factor a little bit against UNC at that time. They had never beaten UNC yet, and um, so one of the one of the greatest moments in that year was beating UNC in the Elite Eight to get to uh, the Final Four. Because as a program, UCLA hadn't done that yet. You know, as a coach, I had, which I think I gave them confidence um, a little bit. And um, you know, it's it's funny looking back because I think I think Anson made a comment because I think they when did they win? Um, I remember the year, the the two years before that. I, he, he, I don't remember how the timing went, but he made a comment along the lines of, "Well, as long as we don't meet meet up with a coach or a team, Amanda Cromwell's coaching will be fine." Because I think we had we had beat them one year, they won the national championship, and then we beat them the next year. Um, so it was kind of funny that uh, you know he made that comment, and uh, you know. And I, Anson's one of the he's the best coach um, the legend in the college world and you know just being able to say that uh, you know we, we were able to knock them out uh, to get to the final four um, that year that was that was a big part of of that um, maturation process for that team to have lost to them earlier in the year and to come back and beat them and and to get to that final four we had to beat Stanford in the Sweet 16, UNC, and then Virginia, and you know that run we made. Um, I think historically it would be, probably have to be one of the hardest runs um, at you know at the national championship um, when you look at the level of those teams. I think Stanford and UNC were two two of the previous uh, national champions uh, of like the previous three years. I think. And would you believe that you guys gave up only one goal in that entire tournament, and that was to Virginia? in the semifinal too. Oh, wow. I, I remember that goal. I didn't remember we had only given up one. There was a, and I, that was a poor back pass to our goalkeeper too, that the, the forward picked off. Yeah. But, uh, you know, that's what happens. We have a good goal goalie keeper coach right there. Uh, coach. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Alini Reyes and, made it to, to, you know, we, we saw her play at home, uh, down in Brazil in the, in the Rio Olympics in 2016. Um, and she was on your staff at UCL. Is she still on your staff at UCL? By the way, is she coming back or is she go- playing pro now? She's going to Hungary to play pro. Oh wow! Okay, I mean, yeah. I remember when she was here at at UCF, and you know, you talked about her during that spectacular run that she made 
uh, that you guys made in the, uh, to the Elite Eight, and then you see you know, kind of the fruits of her labor as well um, at UCLA. And it got me thinking, you know, is Eleni Reyes probably the best player of the, that, that Amanda Cromwell has ever coached at UCF? Where would you put her uh, in terms of the best players that you saw out of all the players that you had? Oh, yeah, I'd have to put her at one. I mean, she's an Olympian. Um, she had she had single-handedly won us some games um, with some of the incredible saves she made. Um, and, you know, just an incredible uh, example of just how to – her work rate, her passion for the game, her efforts. Um, she came back from so many injuries, had multiple surgeries, um, and really, um, I mean, just – took us to a whole nother level. And, you know, that, that weekend of that Florida UNC game, I mean, there's, there's some hate saves she made that I haven't, I haven't seen a college keeper make sense or, or pro keeper for that matter. I remember, and I remember thinking back, I, you know, it felt like there was something special brewing a couple years before that. You remember when, uh, remember the Florida state game? When we uh, came back and won after being down two goals, I, I, it, it was the uh, it was the one at home. It was the one. Uh, oh, that with Courtney Wooden scoring the header to win right, it. Right, yeah. right. And I had you mic'd up for that game. Remember that? Oh, oh, geez. Yeah. Was it? <laughs> well, I well, I just think back to this one this one particular moment uh, where it was right before the second overtime, and you had run out to the field and you said. Listen, we're just going to keep the pressure on it just like we have the last 90 or 120 or whatever number of minutes we've been playing. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I was like, and I thought, and I kept going back to it and I thought, you know, wow, that's the real focus of a coach. When you forget exactly how many, how many overtimes you've been playing, you're just like, let's just focus on the task at hand. Yeah. And 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 it and it paid off that, that spectacular game against Florida State, you know. So let me ask you about this. I always wonder, you know, from where you stand, you know, you come from, you know, you're, you coach from UMBC to UCF when it was an Atlantic Sun program up through Conference USA, getting ready to move to what was formerly the Big East, you know, mm-hmm. and now it's UCLA in the Pac-12. You've seen the spectrum of women's soccer and women's sports at the college level. There's so much going on these days about, you know, what's, what does the future of college athletics hold, particularly with women's sports? What do you think the the future holds and what do you think the NCAA should do and can do to further help women's sports in the next 10 to 15 years? Well, I think the future for soccer just in general, men's and women's side is really bright. I mean, you look at the MLS, you look at the NWSL, um, it's growing. They're looking to expand uh, teams on the pro side um, in the NWSL. So that's exciting, and I love you know this this league has lasted longer than the previous two leagues, um, and I think you know, things are going in the right direction. And um, the college game, um, it, you know, on the women's side, it's it's so strong. When you see you see these players coming out of college, uh, going right into pro teams and starting and having impacts right away, and that's that's really exciting. Because I, you know, I know we're developing these kids, uh, and you know they have the resources. They're getting their degrees and um, being able to move on and, and realize their dreams. And I think uh, on the NCAA side, uh, one thing I, I would like to see is um, you know, trying to retain more female coaches, uh, and, and especially those that were former players, trying to get them uh, plugged in to you know 
go to coaching schools, uh, get involved with clubs, get involved with um, colleges because, um, and I think the role models that these girls now have, um, they, they see women playing on soccer on TV every week. Um, and I never had that. I never, you know, my role models that were women were tennis players, uh, you know, Steffi Graf and Martina Navratilova. And um, we didn't have that to look that. Now they, now they do. And I think as players, it's been motivating, but now we need, we need them to see more women coaches. We're still we're still so far behind on the on the percentage of uh, female coaches and coaching fem- female sports teams in uh, college, not just soccer, but across the board. And so that's what I, that's really a goal of mine to try to mentor more young women, um, try to get them involved in coaching. Um, and you know, I, I was a biology major. I was going to go to med school, and I never planned on this as a career. But I can I can't imagine doing anything else as fulfilling as I've what I've done for the last 20 years. Well, I know you and many coaches getting ready for the season to start here in a couple of months and the destination for everybody, the goal this year, ironically, will be Orlando. That's where the College Cup will be held December 1st through the 3rd at Orlando City uh, Stadium. That's got to kind of give you a smile to your face on a lot of levels because here we are. We got uh, Orlando's getting to host the College Cup thanks to, of course, the MLS and Orlando City where they play their home and the Orlando Pride. Uh, look, every year the goal is to get to the College Cup, but I would imagine that's got to be a sp- – there's some pride there that, there, that Orlando is going to be hosting this one for you. Oh, yeah. I mean, that, I've been to that stadium. I was in town uh, – I think it was in May – and got to go to Orlando Pride game, and I love I love that new stadium. I love the community and the the support both teams are getting. And nothing would make me happier than go back for a Final Four in a, a town I consider my second home. Well, we love to see you there, Coach. And I know that, uh, and I know that Tiffany Roberts, who Sahedak, uh, who was your teammate with Team USA, would love to meet you guys there too. And. Uh, <laughs> I, boy, wouldn't that be fun if if we had just a big giant Team USA reunion in Orlando this this winter? Wouldn't that be something? Hey, if you, UCF and UCLA get to the Final Four, I'm all for it. <laughs> well, coach, I think a lot of people a lot of people would coach, and you know this. I mean, there are a lot of Pete fans in Orlando that are you know UCF soccer fans, but are also UCLA fans, which has to mean a lot to you that you know when you even though you left, you still got a lot of fans that are following you. Yeah. Oh, well, that's that's great to hear, and I really appreciate it. I have um, I have a lot of love for Orlando, and um, you know it's it's a it's a place that always will be special, and, and UCF will always be a a program I support, and you know I wish uh, TR and and Tim a lot of luck this this fall, and um, you know I always I always keep an eye on what they're doing from week to week, and um, you know it's just it's just great to have kind of have feel like I have that connection with another another team that. Um, I just want to see them succeed, and it makes makes me proud. Well, we know that you know it's it, the the trajectory of things. I think you know, not just with UCLA, but also you know, particularly with UCF, the trajectory has just followed um, the trajectory that I that you set forth, and Michelle set forth, and of course Tony set forth, and 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 Tiffany back during the '90s with Team USA, and you know, none of this happens without the hard work that you guys put in, and. Uh, um, you know, like we've said before, you know, we, we always keep an eye out for you out, out there out west, and we appreciate you. And uh, give us that information one more time on your camp as well coming up. My camp is uh, July 9th to the 12th in Claremont, Florida at the National Training Center. The, um, the website, uh, UCLA, 
uclasoccer.com to get information um, on all of our camps, including the ones at UCLA. But the Orlando camp can be found on that site, uclasoccer.com. Cool. All right. Thanks, Amanda. All right. Thank you. And a reminder, uh, Amanda Cromwell's College Bound Champions Academy uh, will be taking place uh, July 9th through the 12th at the National Training Center in Claremont. Uh, again, that's for ages 9 through 17. Uh, again, that's uh, at the National Training Center in Claremont, July 9th through the 12th. Thanks once again to uh, Amanda uh, for uh, giving us some time and allowing us to go in the Wayback Machine for a little bit. All right. Next up on our next show, our next summer session, is a guy that I know you guys will all be excited to hear from. Uh, he is, for my money, UCF's greatest basketball player that we've ever seen uh, to this point. Uh, and I had the good fortune of having a front row seat for his senior year when I was uh, working the camera underneath the North Basket at CFE Arena. And he is still fighting his way uh, back to his NBA dream. We're going to have Jermaine Taylor, number one, uh, of UCF's all-time leading Division I level scorer, on our next summer session here on the Black and Gold Banneret podcast. So once again, make sure you follow us at blackandgoldbanneret.com, at Black and Gold Banneret on Facebook, and UCF underscore Banneret on Twitter, and subscribe to this podcast on Google Play, iTunes, of course, SoundCloud, and TuneIn. So for Eric Lopez, I'm Jeff Sharon. We'll catch you on our next Black and Gold Banneret podcast summer session. <laughs>